and welcome to the ARC Audio Book Club. Today we're talking about Black Ass, the first novel by A. Egoni Barrett, published in 2015. In this novel, we follow Furu Boko, an unemployed Nigerian man who wakes up one morning to discover that he's white. He immediately leaves his family to make his fortune and forge his new identity. Despite being broke and homeless, in the following two days he gets a job, a place to stay and a new lover too, all because of his good fortune of suddenly being white. However, his transformation isn't complete as his ass is still black. Furu's transformation is mirrored by Agonis, a black man who becomes a woman and who sets out to investigate Furu's predicament so she can use it for the premise of a new book. Themes of identity, ambition and power pervade this novel that can perhaps be described as a metafictional post-colonial satire. Here to discuss the accuracy of this label and of course the novel itself, we have Giovanna Alessandro. Hello. Macon Holt. Hello. And Tim Spanksper. Hi. And I'm Sarah Omini. The first time I read this book, I was kind of disappointed. Um, and uh, the second time it grew on me and I appreciate it more now, but I know it, everyone else had similarly lukewarm feelings. <laughs> <laughs> Does anyone want to talk about why? I think I felt like the premise almost wasn't leaned into enough as if that um, while, yes, this is the kind of motivating factor that you know instigates the action of the novel and his whiteness is a constant feature of it, I don't feel that this is... I feel like the fish-out-of-water situation that he's in is far more generic than, um, than particular to the situation he finds himself in. Like, I think that he's, um, he's confused by the new surroundings he's finding himself in, but and I'm definitely learning that there are benefits and drawbacks to being white in Nigeria, but he feels at once not that surprised by it and utterly confused at the same time, and so that kind of muddied it a little bit. So mm. it wasn't crisp, wasn't totally sharp to me what was being said. Yeah, and I mean, it's um, clearly a riff over uh, Kafka's Metamorphosis, um, where Gregor Samsa wakes up in the same way, and neither of them are very surprised both uh, yeah. our main character here, Furo and uh, and Samsa, are like, okay. Oh well, <laughs> now what? Yeah. Okay. What mm. am I gonna do? Mm. Fine. Adapt. Overcome. Mm. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, I was underwhelmed as well. I mean, it's a fine book. I liked it, but there must be more <laughs> when you wake up <laughs> and you're suddenly white. Yeah. Then. I mean, I would have thought that he would be beaten up and robbed right. and a lot of other things. Um, but all we hear about is just that he's becoming more and more of an asshole. Yeah. It's a psychological transformation as well, mm. but never in a very interesting way. No. Maybe as like in, the, in, in Kafka where he becomes a bug, like you, you can sort of relate to that idea about waking up and like, you know, finding yourself to be have become a monster mm. like you feel like a creep or something like that and it might not be as uh like a radical change than like it seems to be like, it's a very high concept like you're something totally different but maybe mm. in kafka it's, he's not that different from the day before it's more like mm. a change like the day that he actually wakes up to find himself being a uh uh, pariah or creep mm. or whatever and it might be the same here or something that the, may be like a 
um, like a process that he's already going through. And this is just like the point where he wakes up to find himself like being different. But also for both books, um, or both stories, I mean, neither Samson or Foucault have very Foucault. interesting thoughts or like a very interesting inner life. It's more about how their surroundings perceive them. Mm, right. And the story is, I mean, mm. it's better that way um, mm. because he's... He's so boring. Yeah. He's so boring. Right. Yeah. <laughs> I think because what's interesting, I think with like the when Samsa wakes up in the metamorphosis, he's also unable to communicate with anybody. Yeah, he's like complete. He's like the embodiment of the alienation he was experiencing in the world. This guy is becoming. Um, he's reached the top of particular social hierarchies, but which makes him have other vulnerabilities, though as the way things are going, it kind of weighs out the other way. And also he never gets to, we never have that moment of him being alienated from his family or his family's response. So that first, like that first page of the book is near identical and, you know, um, to the Kafka book. But after that, you kind of divert wildly because then you realize there's not, there's not such a similarity in the transformations. Yeah, um, in this in the metamorphosis, he's a completely new creature, like you said, Tim. But here, right. he still he retains his normal voice and mm. his normal accent, uh, and he also has a black ass. So the transformation isn't complete, and we mm. never find out exactly sort of why he's only partially white, why he. Mm. Right, and it goes the other way, in a in a way, like I mean, becoming a creep is like worse than being a person, and in this, <laughs> it's like it's implied that being white is. In, in in quotes better than being black I mean like he's he's got some like uh, he's being treated treated um, like with, uh, people give him a job and so on very easily but uh, also so sorry. it's like not um, mm. Mm, yeah so it's like it's a different uh, transformation he doesn't yeah. become a monster he becomes like fish out of water rather yeah uh, but he also kind of becomes a bit of an asshole a creep <laughs> I, would say, I would say yeah. that asshole. it's also sure. implied here that Definitely. he's a total creep yeah, yeah. 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 Mm. Yeah, of course that's a monster in a way because like he, uh, he ends up like really embracing the uh, being white and being a complete asshole. Mm. Uh, so I guess that's that's being a creep as well. <laughs> <laughs> but like the, the 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 whole premise of it, like he starts out, of course, being uh, broke and so on. But like he's uh, yeah. being white, it makes stuff easier for him, and being a uh, a bug in Kafka, metamorphosis is not making stuff easier. That's yeah. Not this character of Furrow, his, he is the same kind of basic in a different context as the, um, the character of A from You Two Can Have a Body Like Mine, which mm. we talked about a few months ago. Like, really basic, really stereotypical set of interests, like, to the point where, like, oh, really, you, you, you prefer not to use a condom? Like, <laughs> <laughs> like, oh, yeah, that, that, that loves you with all the other men, I guess. Uh, yeah. <laughs> 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 Congratulations. <laughs> I'm really getting a sense of your character here. Yeah, of course. I mean, you've just met this woman. It's fine. Yeah. The only thing I thought about that was, um, well, actually, a few things about that was that he kind of, I guess, I don't know if that was an excuse that he used to himself, that he didn't want to show a risk showing her his black ass again and having her laugh at him. So he just he just said, oh, let's not use a condom. Um, but also that later when we find out that Sarita is um, pregnant, he he kind of starts to panic and think, oh, she, this is what she wanted. She's trying, been trying to trap him and, and yeah. g- make him give her a white baby. And I immediately thought, no, bitch, you were the one who didn't want to use a condom. And you've been like at it continuously for well over a month now. <laughs> <It's>, <laughs> which is, yeah, 
I mean, it's, yeah. it's weird. Like, there's a very strange uh, narrator position in the sections that describe the uh, Pharaoh's adventure because adventure, <laughs> journey, <laughs> journey. Because um, it's like it's at once that third person removed, but it's very close. Like, you kind of almost like feel this narrator is very close to his brain yeah. the whole time through, and it's. But doesn't he also say that he's inventing him because he himself, I mean, we hear from the, mm. there's this character in the book called, same as the author of the real book is called, and he is undergoing a transformation as well. Mm. And it seems as if he needs Furo to be the body of his own story, mm. and they each undergo this transformation, and um, our narrator becomes a woman, um, but not quite transformed either uh, because he still has a penis oh. and where were we come what were you saying sorry Macon it was something you said that let me on <laughs> <laughs> I was saying that this uh, the narrator is very close third person narrator he's very close to Furrow yeah but as we read the story he's also inventing it isn't it yeah. he, it's like it's a book about yeah. a, writing a book mm. yeah right um, yeah. And finding your characters and finding out how much to reveal about them and how much uh, how close should you get and all this like ethical stuff yeah. that he doesn't really care about. Because anyway. Ngoni also goes to to meet Furu's parents and uh, his sister. He takes mm -hmm. con he makes contact with his sister. Yeah. Um, and also talks about well, should I be getting this close? Can I take advantage of Furu's story? This is quite a sad story because his parents are desperately looking for him. Yeah, but I also feel like those are. I mean, those concerns are almost put into this book to fill pages. <laughs> <laughs> like, like, nothing interesting comes of that apart no. from, at the end, he abandons all of it because he feels the need for some revenge for a feeling of sexual humiliation. Which, you know, fair enough. But it's just... <laughs> yeah, the whole thing with yeah. the sisters, um, as I recall, seems um, a bit like... Um, Hmm. You, you, nothing comes out of yeah, it. The whole, the whole yeah. meta section where it goes uh, J-Pod, uh, <laughs> where like the 20 pages of uh, Twitter feed of the sisters, mm. uh, where she's not particularly concerned about his, yeah. him being uh, um, uh, disappeared. Mm. Um, and she meets up with her. Mm. Like, what, what, what's the... Uh, <laughs> yeah. I'm confused about like, what, what the... But isn't, I, I felt like when I was reading that, I felt like Agoni, the character, was confused about why the sister was, seemed like she wasn't um, interested in her brother's disappearance. Like, mm, right. to me, clearly she was doing that to gain Twitter followers, oh, yeah. to spread the news. Uh, and yet Agoni was very sort of condemning of this sort of, she seemed mm. um, manipulative and yeah. using her, she seemed like she was using her brother's disappearance yeah. to. Yeah. Mm. yeah, I mean, this is like the levels, I guess, of like, there's a there's an execution of a set of social satire throughout this book, which is very particular to the author's view of um, what he sees as kind of self-serving and vapid social climbing throughout Nigerian society. Right. Um, but at the same time, he kind of gets that there's a certain desperation in people's lives, so they are pursuing it. But but he doesn't particularly like it either. So we have you know the. The his critique of Sa of um, Saita being that she's basically just after this white baby as well, which is kind of implicit in the character. I mean, they're, they're both things are true that this guy's like this um, bareback rider, and she's <laughs> <laughs> and and she is also after joining the club with the rest of her friends, which is kind of like hammered down that that's definitely what's going on. Right. You have um, the guy who wanted to fl flee to to Poland 
um, yeah. headstrong, um, the character's name is. Uh, and then you have the sister who is thinking, oh, my disappeared brother's a perfect chance for me to get Twitter followers. Um, you know, even the depressed dad, um, Fura's depressed father with his failed chicken farm was an attempt to try and be... But that was, I mean, that's maybe the, tra- the tragedy of the thing. Like, there is no um, honest way of getting ahead in Nigerian society. No, but I mean, for the characters, when you list them now, they're all such cliches. I mean, terrible, terrible cliches. But what I liked about this book um, is that it seems as if the real story is where the, the very short chapters, I think there are two or three of them, where it's the author of the book mm. that is telling the story of how he's re- uh, writing this book. And all of this book is based on one meeting in a mall, mm. And mm. they have where he meets Foucault and finds him a little Furo. Arm Furo, sorry. Um. Foucault. <laughs> <laughs> he, he meets Foucault. <laughs> they talk about power. <laughs> uh, well, they meet each other, and the author of the book doesn't particularly like him. Mm. And then he sort of decides to write this book because this guy must have changed. It must have been him and he's yeah. going to find out uh, what. Yeah. And he finds out that there's this real guy called mm. Furul who uh, is now lost. Um, and I had the feeling of like the real book, the real story was where the author is there, which mm. are very short chapters and the other ones are this thing that doesn't exist. <laughs> yeah. Which is strange because I mean none of it obviously exists. <laughs> but the real book seemed as if that yeah. was in those three chapters. Which makes this book incredibly hard work to get to the point. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it was incredible. I think the reason I liked it so much better on the second read was that I know which I knew which parts to skim right. um, mm. and which parts to pay attention. Um, when I first read it, I was like, this is all such useless information. Like, can you yeah. just get on with it? Yeah, there was a, a short story. Yeah. There was like whole sections. It was, and then it was expensive. <laughs> <laughs> all right. In all honesty, there, there was like whole sections of this book, like when he starts working at the office, where basically they go through the different departments of the office, the responsibilities, mm-hmm. the staff who are in those offices, um, what you can expect from them, what kind of like relationship his department needs with their department. And it's like, is this now becoming like a kind of a mid nineties American office place satire? Yeah. But, uh, like, there's a lot of walking into offices where there's uh, <laughs> a, 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 like menacing guys in there. Uh, like you can almost imagine. Yeah. I, I, yeah. I don't think yeah. that it's actually in there, but like a guy sitting in a swivel chair, turning <laughs> around with like a, making a power TV with his hand. And this happens at least. I want to offer you a job because you're happens white. at least three times. And like only one of those menacing guys is relevant to pay attention to. Right. <laughs> and even he is kind of neutered by the end anyway. <laughs> <laughs> so suddenly a lot of strong feelings <laughs> in spite right. of the loop. It starts to like, you know, come... But in other ways it's nice because I didn't know the details of um, uh, the kind of socially climbing middle classes of Nigeria that were so worthy of satire. I didn't know that was the thing. But and it's I, never um, even really ignorance. detailed because at one point I was a little bit bored and then I thought like, okay, maybe I'm going to learn a lot about Nigeria in this book. Maybe I will mm. learn a lot about Lagos and the infrastructure. Mm. And But not really. It's not... And maybe I like that about it, but it's definitely, I think, written to people living there who mm. will just know what it's like. Mm. And then other people... Really? Uh, that? Yeah. And then other things in the book are so explained, like, who has not been in an office building? Why do <laughs> oh, we right. need this? <laughs> uh, mm, yeah. yeah. But also, a lot of the descriptions were very unnecessary like that. Like, every character you meet, even if the character never appears in the story again, you described how this person looked, right. his or her expression, what they were wearing, uh, the attitude they had at the time, and it just all becomes very repetitive in a way. That's true. I, mean, I, I enjoyed like um, the, the the descriptions of um, like the whole setting of Lagos and uh, I guess the traffic and like how people behave and the whole thing in the start where it is described how 
Like he really turns a lot of heads just being white, which is I sort of forgot during the novel. I don't know if that's yeah. the uh, if it's the point in yeah. itself, perhaps, or if it's just like it, it would become repetitive to uh, Keep write that. Yeah. Like, oh, and somebody looked at him very strangely in the street, and yeah. people peered over their um, like balconies and so on. Um, but um, I don't know. The, uh, I guess the whole thing with the, the pigeon language and um, the, the the woman in the I guess it's called a buka uh, something mm. like a yeah. food the place. food truck yeah. Yeah. yeah not truck but yeah yeah, yeah. yeah. A restaurant sort of place uh, and how they talk to each other and uh, I think that was um, sometimes I, I I could see that like I felt it and yeah. uh, sort of yeah, I could imagine that and uh, I don't think it was too um, too much, um, like I don't know, like esoteric, or that you had to be Nigerian or even African to uh, to to understand what was going on or feel the. No, uh, I don't. I don't the, think the, it was that hermetically you know, sealed off. But yeah, yeah. I mean, it was just that I thought the story was a little boring, and then I wanted to, I mean, learn more or like get something sure. from it, which wasn't really there. Yeah, I mean, the problem right. is like, like. So we start off with this massive Kafka illusion, and then we kind of feel like we're going to another Kafka thing of this guy just kind of waiting for the thing to arrive, which is like another kind of Kafka trope. But then the thing does arrive, and that makes the waiting kind of pointless. <laughs> <laughs> this is like we filled up the middle of the book now with waiting. I, like so much of this book is basically him describing how he's um, winning over the affections of this woman who's paying for his existence. Right. Yeah, Sarita was a very interesting <laughs> character to me. Um, she she's definitely the one in power in that relationship, obviously, because she's paying for everything and she's feeding him, and without mm. her, he'd be homeless. Um, and her power where she gets all her money from is basically this um, uh, black benefactor. Um, sugar daddy. Sugar daddy. Uh, it's got a name. A, a kind of senatorial Dora. person. Um, and Furu looks down on her for for how she manages to get all this money that pays for his right, <laughs> existence. Yeah, cool. um, and the power relations yeah, throughout this book. Yeah, Furu yeah, is an she, asshole. She does that once a week. He does it all week. Yeah. Yeah. But the parallelations in this book, I thought, were, were kind of interesting yeah. because also his family's. Um, we learn a bit about his family, and his dad doesn't work. The money, the mother's the one who brings home the money. Um, his younger sister is smarter than him and more accomplished, and he kind of resents everyone mm-hmm. for how how they're powerful or not powerful um, because it's the wrong way. Like it's not how mm-hmm. yeah. you're supposed to be powerful yeah. usually. Yeah. It's, it's, it's pretty clear with the like the if you are part of the corrupt mm-hmm. uh, system, you're quite powerful as well. Like the menacing mm-hmm. uh, men in the swiveling chairs and mm-hmm. the, the passport agent and so on, all the people who are mm-hmm. like offering him a job. Like mm-hmm. in, in the end, he's offered a like a very good job, with, mm-hmm. like he pays like half a million. To, I don't know, and he, he gets greedy as well, and mm-hmm. like he he wants to get yeah. seven hundred thousand and so yeah. on. But these people are the ones in power and then yeah. he's able to oh you want a passport yeah that's not a problem you can have a passport and, uh, which has been a problem mm-hmm. for himself like, even trying to bribe him his way mm-hmm. to it a second passport is um, yeah so that's it's kind of like like so the men who have managed to play the corrupt system right. have ended up being in a position where they can have all this power and then below that the actual you know survival power is being run by women and then there's a bunch of kind of impotent men who are being sort of cast, like the father, uh, Furrow himself, um, 
yeah, so we have, and then we have, uh, was it Bolo that here? So he's the one who's paying for the existence of uh, Saita, and Saita then pays for the existence of this impotent white man who's got, what's the name? What's the, Oyibo? Oyibo, that's white man. Yeah, yeah, okay, yeah. good, yeah. Um, I mean, the, what was nice was there's this kind of lingering feeling of uh, post colonial lineage in the book, which was, I mean, I think could have been talked about more but maybe it's boring to a Nigerian audience and maybe not relevant but um uh, yeah on the whole post-colonial thing on page 27 um he references things fall apart Mm. um at his job interview um uh where he um through his English literature teacher Mm. he quotes he quotes Achebe and he also the English literature teacher basically says the white man in this book is a symbol of progress Okonkwo fought against the white man and lost. Progress also always wins. That's why it's progress. And this sort of spelled out the whole sort of book for me in a way. Like this is what the book's going to be about. White man is progress and post-colonial stuff. Yeah. So Rita asked at one point, like, why are you such a big dictator? Like what you often do? Yeah. And he answers, like, because you're a small country. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. And they laughed together. <laughs> like, and I struggle well, to understand I'm not, why. I'm not sure, like, that she actually laughs with him in that uh, particular situation. But don't uh, we? Don't, doesn't he also say at one point, or at least the narrator does, that people were like nostalgic for yeah. the colonial past? Mm. There's, that's a really yeah, good. That's the thing. That's what I thought was really interesting was that level of like um, nostalgic for the order that the colonial times had mm-hmm. about them, even though there was oppression in it, um, because this sort of weird chaotic corruption system that was in place, not realizing that it was kind of like built in. Like, there's no ability to see that like through line from having the colonial power pull the rug out from underneath the country that the corruption was bound to come out of that. Basically, you create a power vacuum and then that was going to emerge. And so, yeah, so you have this kind of like internalized racism where you have um, characters like the, the driver Headstrong talking about how, you know, the black man is his own worst enemy and that's why everything's so fucked up in Nigeria. And that's really fascinating to me, that kind of atmosphere of just hopelessness. Yeah, and, and just bitterness. Yeah. yeah, and everybody asks him like, you know, before they actually realize that he's Nigerian mm-hmm. and after they uh, come over their bafflement about this fact that he is actually Nigerian, mm-hmm. although he's white, um, they're like, like, but like, do you like Nigeria? Like, Nigeria is such a fucked up place. Or, yeah, yeah. Uh, I don't remember the phrase, yeah, yeah. but like everybody is like agrees that Nigeria mm-hmm. is uh, it's not very good. <laughs> uh, <laughs> uh, except for Furo, I guess uh, he's uh, like, yeah, I guess he's set in a situation where mm-hmm. uh, he feels like, no, no, like, I'm... I think Nigeria is okay. Yeah. Fine. I, don't, I, I don't thought know. What was I thought that was quite interesting about this book was that a lot of um, um, African novels that uh, come out in the European or North American markets, the the African character always like comes to Europe or to North America, and that's part of the story. Maybe right. goes back to Africa, but the whole coming to to the Western uh, mm. world is a big part of it, and that wasn't really. Mm. At all the thing here, like he was just in Nigeria, and that was quite interesting to me. I don't know why, but yeah, and, and almost like he was making fun of Headstrong for his dreams of going to well, Poland. Maybe, yeah, actually, also, yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, <laughs> <laughs> that seems comical, then. like, and it's almost unbelievable when he leaves in the end. Like it, mm. it, in the start, it says that he, like he, he complains that um, his brother's there, mm. and he's been trying to get a visa four mm. times. Uh, and his brother is tired of uh, <laughs> like sort of inviting him, uh, and in the end he just like sort of disappears, mm. and it turns out that he's gone to Poland, mm. and living the dream, <laughs> his dream of going to Poland, which is, yeah. um, uh, I mean maybe not the, the most posh part of the Europe. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. 
Uh, and that was like, also fascinating because yeah, because like now in our kind of current political discourse about like human rights abuses in Poland, but like they're saying, right. oh, if you go to Poland and then they try and kick you out, you say, no, oh, no, I'm a refugee, and it's like, wow, oh, okay, yeah. that's, <laughs> ooh, <laughs> into a dark place there. Mm. I was wondering about the ending of the story because I found well in Metamorphosis the family kills. Greg Gozanza. And I thought that was so tragic and a terrible story because, I mean, you can read it in so many ways, but I mean, I read it in one way. Um, And here I thought at first, like, okay, here the roles are reversed. Uh, Fuck the family. You can go out and do your own thing and blah, blah, blah. But the ending, is he missing his family or is he waiting for them to kill him or what happens at the ending? Yeah, hard to know. It's almost like, I mean, like, he definitely needs a cab and he hasn't got any money. <laughs> <laughs> he did get that advance on his new job, yeah, didn't yeah, he? He said that, but no. I, but I mean, everything else is described, so I don't yeah, know why so he described that scene where he went to pick up his money. <laughs> okay, so it's that um, the author finds him, yeah. calls his family to tell them where he is, and he just got an amazing, great job offer in another city, and he was going to go there. And now uh, he's just sitting by the door for an hour and six minutes, waiting for his family to arrive. Mm. And then what? Yeah, then he leaves. Doesn't or does he? No. No. no, 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 it no. ends. They, they oh, come. His family <laughs> He waits for like an hour and six minutes mm-hmm. for the door. Yeah, the last line of his mother, Kelly, Furo, are you there? Come and open the door. That's true. <laughs> Which is also from Metamorphosis, uh, another yeah. line. Is it? Mm-hmm. Yeah, he's locked in his room. Oh, right. And they want him to open the door because uh, his boss comes home. Okay. So almost like this is like a kind of slow motion metamorphosis. <laughs> <then>. <laughs> but it actually is because throughout the book, uh, the, the narrator says something like, being is easier than becoming or mm, something mm-hmm, along right. those lines. Mm-hmm. Over right in the last section, I believe, when he's talking about the uh, the... the the problem with the penis. But yes, exactly. And the black S. Mm-hmm. Um, we should talk about that, I think. So anyway. what we learn from this is that you are being transformed in your sleep, but your genitals <laughs> remain sort remains, of a questionable, yeah. a grey area. I do know that, you know, it's in American discourse, referring to the ass as a genital is, is seen as a, a, a mistake. By, well, uh, they don't like gay Europe. people. I know, it's Europe. <laughs> and, it's, and this is what we should say right now. This is a European podcast. That's an <laughs> awkward thing to say, talking about a book by a, yeah, a Nigerian author. Um, yeah. But the thing, yeah, the thing you said about, um, I, I don't know how it ends. I, I read it as like a happy ending where he finally decided to, um, to to meet his parents. Like he's been longing for them. I don't see that as a happy really? ending. Really? That he decides to meet his parents. <laughs> no, I don't think that at all. No. Why not? Um, because one does not wait by the door. When they're pl- when they're pleased about their oncoming parents, one. Is, uh, what? what else does one do? You can have a cup of coffee. You can do all the other things, but he's kind of awkward. It in seems house. as if he's waiting to die. Yeah, um, yeah. It's like the, it's like the condemned man in the prison. Mm. No, but yeah, but he be, he he just like uh, he destroys all his like um, uh, I was about to say like earthly goods, but mm. uh, which is basically the same because it's like all his um, all, uh, everything that's on his phone except mm. for the number of the uh, the guy who offered him the mm. new job like he keeps that number that's the only thing he keeps of like his old se- uh, mm. self I guess like so I see this as sort of like a, a new beginning or oh, I did a misunderstanding <laughs> because I thought he left uh, in the end and then apparently he's waiting for his family uh, so I guess that's uh, you never know what's uh like what's going to happen when they come, but I I I don't think they're going to 
to kill murder him with like, an apple. No, that would be very strange, like, unless they see him as, like, the, the cockroach. And go, but like, I didn't oh, really get it, because at one point, the author is visiting his parents, uh, Foucault's parents. Yeah. And he gets Foucault's, Um And he gets something from his mother. He wants to know what the mother's like, so he asks her, she asks the mother about something about the hair. Yeah. And he, she says one sentence, and he... That's all he needs to know. Yeah, and I never got it. I also yeah. didn't understand it, but I, I remember reading that sentence. It's something about Oyibo hair, and she's yeah, making yeah. fun of his sister. Yeah, either the sister or yeah. the author. Or the author, has, yeah. Um, yeah. Weaves yeah. in her hair. But um, I also didn't understand if it was a good or a bad thing. No. But I, I kind of but read it, it as a good thing. Yeah, it seemed uh, as an to emotional. To know what is going to happen now mm. uh, that he's white. So, very different thoughts yeah, on the ending. I mean, the ending, yeah. Why is he staying by the door? Why? Why is he not just going for a walk to the to the bus stop and? Well, everyone reacts differently. Yeah. <laughs> opportunist, isn't he? What is it called? Is yeah. it called yeah, 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 opportunist? Yeah, yeah, yeah. opportunist. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, and then when he sees that it's not working out, then okay, lie down and die. So apart from Kafka, he also references um, Greek mythology, Freud, and apparently this is. I've been told that the title Black Ass is a reference to the Golden Ass by Apuleius. Yeah. Um, but I've not read, I don't know what that is. Um, but basically my question is he's asked, he's referencing a lot of, um, like sort of culturally Western, um, authors and, um, sort of canonical items. The Golden Ass has a story where Cupid has a child with Psyche and they give birth to a child who's like another, like the kind of combination of human being of the sort of, um, Eros and intelligence creature. Okay. That happens in that book, but I don't know where. If it, that's the main thing, that's all I know about that. I book. wouldn't say that's his main problem. Being <laughs> <laughs> the super brief between the two. <laughs> yeah, I agree. <laughs> maybe it's a, a, a maybe it's a story about um, like difficulties of being mixed race. I mean. Uh, Whereas because part of him is still black and he's white. I, mean, I don't know, that maybe oh, that's yeah. reading a bit into it, but... Uh... Yeah, because I've been troubled by, like, what is this whole point of the Ash remaining black? I mean, obviously, yeah. it's this thing, like, how he's... how Basically, it's a reminder of his uh, status as an imposter. Um, and and I guess, yeah, then there's the whole thing of, like, passing. So now he's just passing for white. Um, yeah, so, so Tosin, at one point, mm. uh, the, the character that he sort of starts flirting with Mm-hmm. Not Sarita, but like uh, with the, the the woman from the the office, um, and he's he gets uh, increasingly uh, sexually abusive and uh, mm-hmm. a big asshole basically. Mm-hmm. And it says um, I don't recall the the, the phrasing, but uh, she looks past his whiteness and to what he really is, mm-hmm. something like like that, mm-hmm. uh, which I guess is uh, something mm-hmm. like she. She's his blackness. I don't know, like, and, and yeah. if, if, which is weird because, like, so he's yeah, past his whiteness, which is if, if his whiteness is like a symbol of his um, higher status, right. she sees past that and is like, "Bitch, stop fucking telling me to sleep with you. I'm yeah, exactly. at the office. I have work to do." Yeah, right. So maybe that's, I guess. Although she was definitely into the idea when they weren't at work <laughs> <laughs> at true. two o'clock in the afternoon. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, I, but don't worry. He'll lock the door. There are some structural things in this book, which I think are a bit problematic. Like when you have someone being not at work at two in the afternoon, when you have, when you have um, uh, the majority of a book being about a kind of strange magical crisis, and then suddenly it becomes an office satire. <laughs> uh, <laughs> like, 
I think what's strange to me is not that these things are kind of disjointed. It's more that the disjointedness is being placed right next to very well-jointed things. Yeah. Um, that there's some things which are very smooth, very kind of following, very kind of traditional narrative development. But then suddenly you just have like, and now it's just a different book. Now it's a book about Twitter satire. Where yeah. you have, where you have now it's a meta book. Now it's and like why is it a meta book? Because the ending doesn't work in third person. I like I liked the the Twitter thing a lot, and I was very disappointed that that wasn't used more. Like it was more of an aside, mm. um, and I thought it worked really well. Yeah, I mean, there's a bit which I looked at it. I thought this is exactly I hate the internet. <laughs> but Cobb, I, like, I hate the internet more. I, I mean, like I yeah, hate, yeah, because I it, it really only happens get once. Why it was there? Yeah, and I thought it was too long. Yeah, it was too long. It was too long for a character. Like, it gave us a lot of character development for a character we'd see maybe on two occasions. And there was, you know, there's a nice thing about the equation of like what Twitter influence means, which I don't really follow. Um, but fine, yeah, there's an equation for Twitter influence because I don't think he's, he's not explained what all these. Oh, he does. Does he? But it's just kind of again, it's all in brackets. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah, I mean, it's like a non-committed bit to being stylistically interesting. Yeah, it's further from I guess like the core theme of the thing and the whole story, like this whole satire about social media mm. suddenly and the sister wanting to become uh, like uh, going viral on account of his her brother disappearing. Uh, mm. I, I haven't read uh, I had internet um, but I read uh, J-Pod like, and discussed like sort mm. of the same mm. uh, the mess of things where mm. you have uh, whole parts of it being about maybe not Twitter and J-Pod yeah. anyways um, where it makes sense where it like sort of connects to the to the, the, the core mm. theme of the whole book yeah. where this seems maybe a bit judged yeah. from the rest of like why do we need to hear this uh, like have this uh, um, angle on that story. I guess it makes sense, like to say that you know, social media is a reality that is structuring the lives of people in Nigeria as well. Like it shouldn't be so remarkable to us, but at the same time, it's weird with this kind of uh, magic realist premise to have something kind of that banal. But then maybe it's not banal. Maybe I'm just wrong. <laughs> but it's kind of it's this weird mismatch of things because I guess maybe we still think of technology as a topic. And it has to be the topic that we talk about. But maybe yeah. it needs to maybe be. Maybe we're just old. Yeah, maybe we're just old. Yeah. Not as old as uh, Igoni. No, but maybe he, that's why he's a novelist <laughs> and we aren't. <laughs> um, I think what saved it for me was in the in the second read. I stopped reading it for the for the story because I knew what the story was, and then I started thinking, okay, this is a, a black writer writing for what seems to be a, a European or North American audience, a Western audience in any case, because he's referencing referencing so many. Um, uh, staples of the Western canon. But then, is he really writing for a Western audience? Because, of course, that can also be a staple of a Nigerian canon, mm. if you will. Um, and it sort of made me question my own assumptions about what's what. Yeah. Well, like, the interesting thing for me was, like, I, re I recently watched an interview with him from a Nigerian television where he was saying that, you know, in this, in this country of 185 million people, um, he sold 400 copies of Black Ass, but he sold 11,000 of it in the US in mm. the last year. Mm -hmm. It's his, his reading audience is decidedly more Western. And it's really curious that, you know, he's basically selling um, the same amount of books that uh, you would of a first time poet in Denmark, a country of 5 million people, to, um, yeah, to, to a country of 185 million. Which also, again, speaks to this kind of weird colonial alienation where you have people who don't speak any of the local languages, but they do speak English. Yeah. 
which I thought was a really curious thing about the culture. Um, and was, yeah, good to be fully uh, introduced to, like, oh, okay, there's there's pidgin, then there's a whole bunch of, like, traditional languages, and English is only spoken by people who kind of are looking to uh, advance themselves. Mm. And they alienate themselves from their own cultures. It's really, That was fascinating. In but isn't way. that the same here? I mean, I don't get anything of Sinoyusk. <laughs> that's true, <laughs> yeah. I don't. And yeah. I don't no, that's understand so true. Banhamsk. Yeah. And... I can get Fynsk because, I mean, lol. Um, <laughs> but like the old dialects in Denmark, I have no idea. Yeah, I think that's definitely true to a certain extent. I think it's probably more pronounced in Nigeria mm. because it's such a huge country. But yeah, I totally get what you're saying. I think that's like a truth of like many places. Like there's, there's accents in England I don't understand. It, I think... And there are accents in England you distance yourself from. And there's accents in England you <laughs> distance myself from. Um, <laughs> Maybe the, maybe the thing is more like this whole thing about, <laughs> more relatable to uh, a white person. Like the whole premise of it, you know, oh, he's becoming white, like mm. like me. I, I want to write this. Yeah. And, I uh, do. <laughs> I, I, I totally to saw myself story. in this yeah. novel. I woke up one morning and found myself to be white. So, yeah. Yeah. Um, Not again. <laughs> yeah, I mean, no. Oh, one, but yeah, the but, Morgans are coming. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so, it's, it's someone must be there. Yeah. Um, no, but yeah, I, I don't know. It's, it's hard to tell like what's um, like what a Nigerian would find mm. interesting. Like, I really yeah. don't know. I, yeah, like, yeah <laughs> it's, it's, it's so hard to tell. I mm. haven't read uh, what, very t- many <laughs> African novels. I mean, no, but that's why I actually. That's kind one. of why I picked this book, and that's uh, that's what I was pleased with about this book on the second reading was that it sort of it worked to me as an introduction and sort of like as a reprimand like he kind of sort of he sort of he he knew beforehand that of course this bitch isn't gonna have read anything by an African (laughs) novel so let me let me mention things fall apart because everyone's read that because that's part of the western canon so he sort of the author himself as a black person leans into this sort of white thing in order to sort of further his ambition that Furo is also mm. doing. But this is also what he was saying in the interview was that um, within Nigerian culture, there isn't this notion of just reading for entertainment or enjoyment of a kind of self-fulfillment. All you read is like, you're meant to have read things fall apart because that's like the story of Nigeria and you read the Bible and you read textbooks. And like, so also like as much as it's, you know, it can be read for like being of a white audience's benefit, maybe it is also this guy is just telling it how it is in the ground. <laughs> Well, good. <laughs> more, the more readings, the better. <laughs> Does anyone have anything they'd like to add? I think this is a book that I've become fonder of having finished reading it. I think while I was reading it, I found it a bit of a chore because I found like this story was strangely paced and I think that pacing was an issue for me. Having read it, I feel like I've learned something which I wouldn't have otherwise You've done. definitely said more than I was expecting you would. Yeah. Well, a couple of glasses of wine in. I don't have anything to add. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah. I wasn't... Um... If that's it... I'll ask, uh, would you recommend this book, Shawana? Yeah, but I don't want to... I I wouldn't say don't read it like with so many other books that I didn't like, but I don't think I would recommend it unless someone is very specific going like, do you have a book that starts with black? (laughs) (laughs) But um, yeah, I would, but I wouldn't really. I I don't know to whom, Mm. but I wouldn't advise against it. Like, it's not a waste of time. Making? Yeah, yeah, it's not a waste of time. <laughs> it's it's hard to recommend like on a kind of enthusiastic level, but if you're looking for something that will teach you about a part of the world that we are often 
prone to neglecting in uh, especially literary conversations, then I think it's it's pretty good for that. I think it's not groundbreaking. And I think that I've learned more and more about why uh, Alex wants me to use the word Kafkaesque sparingly. Tim, <laughs> <laughs> what about you? Um, yeah, um, as like the story and as a novel, I guess it was... Uh, um, it was okay. I feel this, the same way that you know it's uh, it's an okay book. Then you can uh, read it. And it's interesting, um, and I definitely um, I, I felt the parts about uh, life in uh, Nigeria to be interesting because I've never really been to Africa uh, and um, that whole life and the way of seeing it and um, I guess the the theme of it as uh, how you would feel about uh, a white person in that uh, setting is uh, basically interesting, and uh, it's it's, yeah. uh, it's it's I guess it's well done, and uh, but not extraordinary. So, I would say do say don't say. But Sarah, what do you think? I agree with all of you um it wasn't it didn't it wasn't extraordinary um it i did um ponder some things i wouldn't have pondered had i not read it um ponder ponder <laughs> I th- <laughs> that was i that wasn't a pun <laughs> oh i have uh, something to add perhaps. okay good. Okay. Uh, i just remembered um like it wasn't as funny as I would have thought. Yeah. Me neither, yeah. Uh, the whole premise of it. No, I mean, seriously. <laughs> no, honestly. Uh, yeah. The whole thing, like, I was just like, okay, so this is a story about, uh, like, a guy that wakes up, finds out he's white. Okay, he's in Africa. And his ass is still black. Well, that's that's funny. Like, what's going to happen? Like, yeah. hijinks and shoe. <laughs> uh, <laughs> so, of course, that's, like, just, yeah, yeah, like, yeah. the, 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 the yeah. thing that you're supposed to catch on. on yeah. And then you read the book, and it's not particularly funny I mean it's, it's got some funny parts and, yeah. and so on but it's I mean, it was a bit disappointing that it was not more I mean, funny is I mean a bland word but it was not clever yeah. either I mean, maybe not clever enough for, I, for I it thought, to live up to my expectations I thought it was quite um, clever I, I liked that it wasn't sort of it didn't flash its cleverness um there were a lot of things that I didn't notice notice in the first reading that I noticed later. But I also I was disappointed that it wasn't as funny, especially mm. considering the cover. It definitely does play up its funniness on the cover, and um, yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. I think it's it's a strange thing because yeah, it, it is a wonderful comedic structure, the black ass. But it's it's not really <laughs> not used. Really used yeah. And also like like it's not until the morning that she that Sieta notices it's like page 74 or something like she notices that he's got a black ass yeah and then it's like what kind of sex are these guys having <laughs> yeah, like, like, there's like, there's well like, she's not like, pegging that's for sure yeah, no that's, that's, that's that much is very clear but, like, <laughs> but like there's like no kind of like oblique angles upon which you would see like this <laughs> no side ass there. so yeah. I would recommend it but I'd I'd talk for a while before recommending it yeah a lot of caveats I think that's it for us on Black Ass. Yeah. Next month, Siobhan is picking the book. Yes, next month I'm back to hosting and we are going to be reading uh, Blood and Guts in High School by Kathy Acker, which is funny and I think intelligent and more dumb than it has to be. And, um, <laughs> great, I really like that book. And yeah, I'm really excited about talking about it. I'm also very excited for it. Too. Be sure to join us for that. Who's joining us with that one? Die the Nest Dampen Lesson. Ah. It's the Palindrome. Mm-hmm. Yeah.
Boston Nut Boston Nut Lab. <laughs> I'll show you. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> Cheers.